Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Welcome to this week's PDPW podcast, where we're joined again by servant leadership trainer Tom Thibodeau, who loves to share stories. You know, storytelling is woven in the fabric of our lives. And Tom reminds us how important it is to tell stories and share life's memories with those around us. Everything in our lives has a way to connect us, and the stories we share becomes who we are. So here's Tom to tell us a story. Well, thank you very much. It's always a, a joy to have the opportunity to, uh, to talk with you. And I thought that today um, our, our focus would be on uh, storytelling. How important uh, it, it is to uh, tell our stories, to be storytellers and story listeners. Noel Titchy, who teaches at the University of Michigan, says this. This brings me to what I believe is the ultimate hallmark of world-class champion leaders, which is the ability to weave all the elements together into vibrant stories that lead their organizations into the future. Uh, how important it is that we listen to people's experience and we capture what they have to say and understand and believe in the stories that we tell. We become the stories that we tell. Our lives are story-formed. I have a little activity that I do in my classes on a regular basis, and that is that people, I have a bag, and it's filled with all kinds of ordinary things, uh, from a tennis ball to a spoon to a coffee cup to a golf ball to a plastic grip opener, all these odds and ends that seem so um, random. And I have people go around, it says my story bag, and each person picks one of the items out of the bag and begins to tell a story. And it is extraordinary. The things that come out of people's imaginations and memories of being a child. They'll pick out a coffee, a coffee cup and they'll start talking about sitting at their grandmother's table and having tea with grandma, listening to grandma, watching with wonder all the things that she knew, watching grandma make cookies or cinnamon buns. But that holding that mug brings them right back to grandma's kitchen. A person took a spoon and she looked at it and she said, what this reminds me of, um, you can see that the spoon must have sat in the sun because it's a little bit warped. She said, and it reminds me of going on a long family vacation with no air conditioning in the car. And we were so hot. But my father sang songs and told stories, and he made the whole trip so memorable and wonderful. And all of a sudden, you begin to recognize that everything in our lives has a way in which to connect us to everything that we've experienced and all those things that we might hope for. How important stories are. A, a teacher took his class to a nursing home, and he wanted the children to have the opportunity of understanding the oral history of their community. And they wheeled out an older man and an older woman in a wheelchair, and they started talking to the children. And after about 40 minutes, the older gentleman said, well, I think we should probably stop now. I think we're boring these kids. And the older woman shot up in her chair, and she took her finger, and she pointed at each of the children. Nonsense. Nonsense. If at the end of your life you don't have any good stories, what do you got? 
how important that is. It's the stories of our lives that recount um, what's what's taken place. Stories uncover the gold in our lives, those things that are most important and significant. A friend of mine who's a high school principal now talks about the time in which over Christmas vacation he and his brother would milk cows so a farmer and his family could get off the farm for a couple of days around Christmas, maybe to visit family. And so this is what they would do every year. They'd come home and they would milk for a different family. And after milking this one particular night, the grandpa of the farm who was still there looked at the boys and said, you know, you boys, I want you to, to know this. This is something that your your dad and your grandpa did for us many years ago that I'll never forget. He said it was a hot summer. It was a drought. And in the midst of all that, uh, our barn burned down, and with it, all of our hay. And it was difficult to get hay that summer. It was expensive, and it was hard to get. And then in September, your grandpa and your dad showed up with the finest load of third crop hay that I've ever seen in my whole life. And it was, and I said, well, how much? How much is it? And they said, oh, nothing. We want. You. We know you've had some hard traveling this summer. We just thought that you should have it. He said, I'll never forget that. He said, as he walked home with his brother, he thought about it for a long time. And he always asked himself the question, am I willing to give away my third crop hay or am I keeping it for myself? It's the stories of our lives that help us to discern what is important and what is significant. It helps us to pay attention, and we're always up for a good story. Most of us really don't like sermons, and we don't like particularly long lectures, and certainly we don't like having to be told what to do. But we all enjoy a good story. And what do good stories tell us? They always have a moral to them if you will. They teach us how to live and how to behave. A teacher was talking to her students about the moral of the story, and at the end of it, she said, could somebody give me an example? And the little boy raised his hand. He said, well, I live on a farm, and my dad asked me to go out and milk last night, and I went out and I milked, and I forgot to bring the big can, and so I had two pails, and as I was coming back to the house, I slipped and I fell, and I spilt all the milk. He said, but I didn't cry because I've learned not to cry over spilt milk. And as teachers said, oh, that was, that was very good. The young woman raised her hand. Yes, Mary. She said, well, I went out to collect the eggs last night, and I had them in one basket. And as I came back to the house, I tripped, and I, I broke the eggs. She said, but I didn't cry because I learned now learned not to put all my eggs in one basket. Oh, she said that. That's very good. Thank you, Mary. And then a little boy, Tommy, raises his hand. And he's waving his hand in the back and excitedly. And the teacher said, yes, Tommy. He said, well, my granddad, he was an, he was a, an, an army on Iwo Jima. And he was in a foxhole with his buddies. And they were down to, he just had a canteen full of whiskey. And he had 10 bullets. And so he drank down the whiskey. And he put the 10 bullets into his gun. And he started shooting at the enemy. And then they were coming at him. And he was punching him. And he was kicking him. He said, wait a minute, Tommy. Uh, what's the moral of that story? Oh, you don't mess with my granddad when he's been drinking. And oh, we laugh at those kinds of things. But all stories give us an indication of something that's important and significant. It helps us to understand our lives in a new way. Pays attention to what is important, what has been, what has been missed, and what can be celebrated. 
I recently read that a pastor was sent out to a rural church community, and they went out there having a breakfast, uh, that the whole congregation was there, and the pastor said to a, an older farmer that was sitting at the table, he said, sir, would you be willing to say grace? And the farmer looked up, and he says, yeah, yes, pastor, I'd, I'd do that. So he bowed on his head, and he says, dear God, I hate buttermilk. And the pastor looked over him kind of quizzically. And God, I don't care much for lard either. The pastor was kind of surprised by this. And then one more thing, God, I really can't stand that processed white flour. But dear God, boy, I do I enjoy hot buttermilk biscuits. Please, God, help me to understand when you're doing things and you're putting things together and I don't understand. Help me to trust that it's all going to be right. Thank you very much. And all of a sudden you begin to recognize in that story it was really in terms of good theology. It talked about the importance of community. It talked about the importance of gratitude. It talked about the importance of being able to trust others in so many different ways. That's what good storytelling does for us. It helps us to remember and to remind ourselves for what we are grateful for. It reminds us of connections in our lives and oftentimes gives us an opportunity just to laugh a little bit. I was working with a group of people many years ago um, on a kind of a, an afternoon uh, retreat, and it was a long day, and it was the middle of winter, and people were getting tired, and so I... Uh, uh, I had them come up and do the hokey pokey. And a woman was in the room, and she was a writer, and this is what she wrote. There we were, 57 allegedly grown-up people doing the hokey pokey, turning ourselves about and wiggling on command with a right goodwill. We were staff members and professors from the University of St. Thomas come together for a retreat in Owatonna a couple of weekends ago, and to get the blood stirring one afternoon, our leader urged us up from our circle of chairs and set us a dancing. You know how it goes. You put your left hand in, you put your left hand out, you put your left hand in, and you shake it all around. Well, now, while the rest of us were shaking our hands and arms, Ray Treader was whispering to his wife, you know what I should do, he breathed. Go ahead, she said. So at the exact moment when the rest of us were putting our right leg in, Ray took his right leg off and tossed a smack dab in the center of the circle. Well, not all of us knew that Ray had been walking around on an artificial limb since surgery last summer, but even though, even those of us who did know were totally taken by surprise. Believe you me, it was the end of the hokey pokey. Every soul in the room was in a state of hysterics. During the saner moments of the retreat, the leader had asked us what time is it in our lives. Here's what time it was, hooray, before the summer from hell a year ago. It was time to be a business person, to make a list, to be on schedule, to be early everywhere. But then blood clots came out of the blue on a morning when Ray did nothing more out of the ordinary than get out of bed and feel his feet tingle. By that night, he was in intensive care, and the doctors still don't know what happened. But Ray and his wife Virginia and their four kids know a thing or two they never fully realized before. They know the life you lead today can be gone in a blink. They know that when you slow down, you see yourself better. They know it's okay to be whoever you are, and it's even okay to laugh about it. Laughter was the gift that Ray gave us that afternoon. None of us are likely to forget any kind of 
soon. We aren't likely to forget that the man who can make an, take an agonizing thing that happened to him and make the best of it and then make it in the mischief and mirth. We aren't likely to forget the riveting lesson that Ray taught. When life deals you a blow, you get up, you go on, and you find new ways in which to shake a leg. Oh, do I love that. I can't remember um, everything that happened that afternoon, but I'll never forget Ray captured in a story uh, that, le- that later was sent into Minnesota Public Radio and read to people across the state of Minnesota as a reminder of how precious and special and joyful the lives we lead are. Stories help us to understand who and whose we are, and sometimes they come in the most unexpected way. I was living in Seattle, Washington, attending Seattle University for my master's program, and I was sitting in this house. It was a, it was a halfway house for people who are with, with disabilities or different kinds of struggles, different kinds of abilities, and everybody else had gone off to church, and there was a sitting in a kitchen having a cup of coffee reading the sports page and there's a knock at the front door and I go and there's this woman who was standing there she's a, a rather large woman and she had a napkin in her hand in a very halting way she said this is 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 is, is Paul here and I said no uh, Paul's at church I'm the only one here I said would you like to come in for a cup of coffee she said yes so she came in and she sat down across the table from me and I brought her a cup of coffee and she put the napkin on the table and she said well I I I I I live in a in a in a group home not far from here uh, I was born in an insane asylum in, in Montana we were refugees from Russia and uh, my mother had uh, mental health problems and they put her in the asylum and um, I was born there and I stayed with my mother for the first eight years of my life in this place. In the family, my father was so embarrassed by us and did not want to acknowledge that his wife had mental health issues. He, he moved away, and my mother and I were on our, our own. Um, we tried to make it and lived in different places. And um, Then my mother died, and I was placed in a group home. And I've been living in group homes most of my life. She spoke in kind of a halting way. She recognized that her uh, abilities were not allowing her to to navigate a system, but she was dependent upon the care of others. And she said, "Uh, but the group home I'm staying at now, the people, they treat us bad. Uh, They yell at us, and sometimes they hit us. I invite the people into my room at night, and we pray the rosary, and I ask for God's protection on all of us. And this morning, and she opens up the napkin and unrolls what was a half-cooked pancake. This is what they gave us for breakfast today. It's not right. It's just not right. If the people at the group home know that I'm here, they'll punish me and they'll maybe they'll throw me out and I have no place to go. And I came here because I met Paul, and I thought maybe he could help me. And I sat across from the woman, and I said, Hi, my name's Tom. She says, Hi, my name's Marianne. And I looked at this woman who had so much moral courage, 
She had no one. She lacked abilities. She had no money. She was dependent upon the state to take care of her. And she was not even given dignity and respect. And yet at the same time, she provided emotional safety and security for others. And then she had the moral courage to stand up and talk about an injustice, a half-cooked pancake. And I asked myself, as a leader today, do I have the same level of moral courage? Am I willing to provide comfort to people less able than myself? Am I willing to stand up and to risk position or comfort for justice? I'll never forget Marianne. That summer I was in graduate school and I had teachers from Canada, even somebody from the University of Paris, but I didn't find anyone who taught me as much as Marianne. And begin to realize that the stories that in, in our lives uh, help us always to remember the best of our humanity. When I was uh, growing up, um, uh, my dad would give us our bath uh, during Paladin so he could get down and watch Gunsmoke. For people who are listening today and don't know those two shows, you can catch them on TV, Family Land, and they're as good as I remember them back in the 1950s. And while my dad was giving us our, our, uh, our bath, uh, he would teach us all of his favorite music. And, uh, boy, the amount of songs I learned when I was naked is just amazing. And then after our bath, our dad would put us to bed and sit on the edge of our bed. We had bunk beds. And he would tell us stories about his wonder dog, Pat. He grew up on a farm in Coleman, Wisconsin, and he had an Irish setter, Pat, the wonder dog, who played right field in a big game against Pound. They weren't so surprised to see a dog play right field, but were they surprised when he came up to bat? Pat, the wonder dog, who... One year at Christmas when it was dark and stormy and no one thought that Santa could make it through, Pat climbed up on the roof and spoke reindeer, called Santa's sleigh into the small town of Coleman, Wisconsin, and that year Christmas was saved by Pat. When he got really excited, he could even begin to speak. Oh, my dad would tell all these wonderful, marvelous stories, and then he'd pull the covers up tight and kiss us on the forehead and say, I love you. Years later, years later, 60 years later, my dad went in for day surgery. Don't worry, he said. I'll be okay. It's just skin cancer. He came out of surgery battered, bruised, and speechless, and we learned a new word, stroke. We moved him to lacrosse so that my brothers and sisters and I could take care of my dad. And on Saturday nights, Saturday nights, it was my privilege to go to the nursing home. And I'd give him his bath, and I'd put him into his jammies, and I'd put him to bed, and I'd sit on the end of his bed, and I'd sing those songs he had taught me so many years previous, and I would tell him stories about Pat the Wonder Dog. And at the end of those stories, I'd pull the covers up tight and I kissed him on the forehead. And I heard the words that I will carry with me to eternity. I love you. The other set of words that my father had after his stroke were words they taught us on the golf course. 
those words were to be used on the golf course and no place else. And so when you go to the nursing home, he'd be walking around and it was kind of funny as he'd say, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Come on, let's get the hell out of here. One day I get a call at work from the hospital. Tom, Tom, come quick. We lost your dad. You lost him. Brought him in for for congestive heart failure and he's hard on the heart unit and he was right behind the nurse's station. Well, when he could see that the nurses weren't around, he found his clothes, unhooked himself from all the machines, walked down the hall, snuck down five flights of stairs, was a block away from the hospital in the parking lot, opened up the car door, got into the passenger seat of the woman driving and looked at her and said, let's get the hell out of here. Thank God she was a nurse and brought him back. And the last words that my father had at the end of his life were, thank you, thank you very much. Whether we went to a root beer stand or a little diner, sometimes a nicer restaurant, my father was always gentle and kind and generous with the wait staff. He always appreciated those people who worked so hard to make his life just a little bit easier. One of the favorite places we went to in Wisconsin Rapids was the Sugar Bowl. And the people who ran the restaurant almost became like uncles and aunts, cousins to us, family members who served other families each and every Sunday when we would gather. After his stroke, somebody would bring in a plate of food. Oh, Thank you. Help him with his shoes. Thank you so much. Help with his medication. Thank you. Thank you. What kind of care would you suspect he received at the end of his life? Very good. Because we become what we do. The stories of our life, we live into them. The words that we use when we address each other are the words that we have even after the difficulty of a stroke or a serious setback. It's the stories in our lives that shape us. Isn't it amazing? I have found this, and I'm sure you found it too. It's very difficult not to like somebody once you know their life story well. Isn't it interesting if you hear somebody's story in terms of hard travels or struggles, and you have a deep level of compassion and empathy because now I understand why every once in a while they can be impatient or brusque. The stories of our lives get lived out each and every day. Not, and what's really amazing is that the best storytellers are also the best story listeners. I love this definition of a storyteller. A storyteller is one who jumps into the dumpster of life and looks for everything that's precious. And isn't it interesting, it goes back to the story bag. All those ordinary objects that we have on our desk, all those pictures on the walls, all the things that are in the drawers, each of them carries a story, a memory. Each of them reminds us of the people who have loved us. Each of them reminds us of the ways in which we have grown older and wiser. Well, I could go on telling stories all day long because you're such a wonderful story listener. 
And isn't it amazing that the people who are the best listeners are always calling stories forth? And how many times, oh, have you heard this one? Oh, this reminds me of something. Oh, a once upon a time, I remember. And all those stories go on and on, and one story leads to the next. I think that one of the first things that began in terms of human community was a fire in order to keep warm. And as people sat around the fire and they watched the flames dance over the logs, then someone began to talk about the hunt. Somebody would talk about a fish. Somebody would talk about a child or an older member of the tribe. And all of a sudden, we understood we are storytelling creatures. Well, a preacher is sent out uh, to his first church, and uh, one man showed up. Well, he had just been just been ordained, had just come out of seminary, and here's this one man. And he went up to the man, he said, excuse me, sir, uh, should I continue on with the service? The farm man looked at him and said, I'm a farmer. One cow shows up for lunch, I feed him. He said, okay, so he begins the service, they sing a couple of songs, and then it comes for the readings of the scripture, and the man preaches on the whole of the Old Testament. He sees his congregation is still paying attention, so he preaches on the whole of the New Testament, and the man is still paying attention, so the pastor then takes the liberty of preaching on the whole of the gospel. Well, at the end of the service, this young pastor is anxious for feedback from his congregation, so he goes up to the gentleman and says, excuse me, sir, um, what did you think? And the man looked at him and said, well, I'm a farmer. One cow shows up for lunch, I feed him, but I don't give him the whole silo. Well, been good talking to you again this week. I hope that you have enjoyed and what the stories that each of us has to tell. You're such a wonderful story listener, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archive podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.